And we're live, and welcome to the Google Educast. You have reached episode 190 for June 9, where you are, and 10, where I am. Um, this is the show where we talk about educational applications for Google products, including news, tools, tips, and tricks. And today I'll be your host, Chris Betcher, and I'm joined by Dan Rizak in Hello. Chicago. Hi, Dan. Hi. How's it going, Chris? Excellent. Thanks for joining us. And Kim Zimmer down in Colorado. Hi, Kim. Up in Colorado. The rocks. <laughs> uh, and, and you guys are both having impending Ooh. storms, I hear. Yeah, it's pretty windy out, but um, yeah, we're looking forward to having everyone here for ISTE. Mm. The fine state of Colorado, it should be a lot of fun. It's right, it's Exciting. getting nearer. It is getting nearer. All right. Well, we uh, we didn't do a show last week, so we're catching up this week. So let's get stuck into it. It's uh, segment number one. What's new with Google? Um, Kim, you you've got an update to calendar to tell us about. Yeah, some of you might have noticed that in addition to your event in the calendar, you now see the location as long as you're using uh, typing something into the location of your event. Voila! It comes right up in calendar. This. To me, I feel like uh, it's one of those add-ons to Google. It's one of the updates that you just feel like has always been there. Like, obviously, yeah. your location should be there. But it's pretty new, and it's been helpful already. How about you guys? <laughs> I, I haven't even noticed. Do you see a map, or like, what do you actually see? No, you just see in little tiny font right below the event the, you know, we use Google Calendars in our schools, so, you know, the whoever's sending out the, the the training or the you know meeting for this or that student you, know, you always want to indicate a room number because otherwise people don't know where to go and uh, those room numbers are popping up for us and you know if I have a dentist appointment and put in the the location that's that's popping up for me so I I'm not sure if you don't have like the the rapid rollout rapid release um, you might not see it yet but I think it's also in my personal account can you guys okay. see it uh, I haven't noticed, to be honest. I do, I, I do like how... My calendar, just checking. I, uh, it, it is on a couple of them, yeah. Oh, cool. So, yeah, you have to use the location, you know... Yeah, the, the fill box that says location. If you don't use yeah. it, then it doesn't matter. So... Uh, I do like how... I think it'll the field, uh, if you're putting in... You know, oh, sorry. Your audio went a bit funny there, Kim. Sorry about that. Um, I do like how in calendar when you put in, like if you have, you know, English class room three, then room three will just be the words room three. But if you actually have like dinner at a friend's place and you put in the actual address, it will in fact, when the reminder pops up on your phone, it will actually give you the map or a link to the map, which I think is handy. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Good to know. Now, it auto did a couple of calendar events for me just based on my email. So what's nice is that it, it did autofill those events for like taking a flight, and then you can see it says it's, it's Chicago ORD, so that's uh, O'Hare. Um, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, Calendar is intelligent. Although I, I I travel a fair bit and I use TripIt. I don't know if you guys use TripIt or not. I find it a really useful service, and I have TripIt set up so that anything that I put into my TripIt event list. Um, gets sucked into my calendar as a as a tripit layer, but I'm finding and that was great. So I always see all my travel plans in my calendar. But I'm noticing lately that um, Gmail just 
also looks into my calendar and went, oh, you're traveling on this date, let me put that into your calendar for you. So now I end up with two lots of travel plans in my calendar, one from TripIt and one from Gmail. Which is, hmm. I, I guess it's clever, but it's a little annoying at the moment. I have to figure that out. <laughs> Um, document outlines is now in mobile apps. Uh, a little while ago, we got a new tool in Google Docs called the document outline. Um, if anyone used Microsoft Word prior to their Google life, um, you might remember a thing. I think it was called the document map. I think it was called. Um, where if you've got a really long document with styled headings throughout the document, it puts a panel on the side of the page and lets you yeah. quickly jump to different sections. Uh, that appeared in Google Docs uh, a few weeks back. Um, which was a nice little touch, um, but it's now also in the mobile apps as well. So if you're using it on an iPhone or an iPad or an Android device or whatever, um, and you're in a document with multiple headings, it will actually pop up a little link for you so you can navigate using that um, quick jump menu. And in fact, it doesn't even rely on you putting the styled headings in. It's intelligent enough to figure out if you've got multiple headings within a document, even if they're not done as styles, it'll still go, you probably want this divided up into sections and it'll do it for you anyway. Yeah, I like that feature a lot. And I noticed the day it started doing it, because I, whenever I create a document, that's kind of what I do. I kind of create these, you know, chunks or whatever, and uh, it was great. It just worked right away. It, it, I find it interesting. I, I mean, like you guys, I, I do talk to a lot of teachers in workshop situations, and uh, explain stuff to them about Google Docs and whatever, and I, I'm always amazed when I talk about styles, and I show an example of how you know if you put styles in your document, you go and redefine one of the styles, it'll change throughout your whole document, and everything will update, and people go, "Wow, I didn't know that." And it's like it's been in Microsoft Word since like 1997 or something. <laughs> styles <laughs> is not a new concept, but I think. My theory is that it was so complex to use in Word that most people ignored it, and when they moved to Google Docs, they didn't bother looking for it because they didn't think about it because they didn't use it in the old thing they were using. But it's so easy to use in uh, in Docs. Um, moving on, uh, we've uh, if you look up in the top right-hand corner of your screen now, where the Google bar is, and it's got like your your little picture in the circle, uh, it used to have your name there, and now it doesn't anymore. The name went away. Did you notice that? Is that when you update your Chrome? Because I, I updated it on my school computer, but not on my personal. I still see it on my, I still see it on my laptop here. Oh, do you? Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, I do see it. it's it's gone. But if you hover, it'll pop up a little uh, name there. Does it? it pops up. I mean, it's not necessary. I guess. Well, if you want to switch, it is necessary, right? So you just see your picture now. Yeah, the reasoning in uh, in the in the article and the blog post about it was that now that people can put their photo in the little circle, and even if you don't put your photo in, uh, uh, the first letter of your name appears in there, so you get a K for Kimberly. Um, that it's easy enough to know which account you're in. Although if you've got multiple accounts and you're still called Kimberly, you're going to get a K for everything, right? So I don't know. <laughs> Um, but anyway, that's the reasoning. So they've taken that away. So simple is better. So I'm I'm always happy when when they simplify things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kim, you got a story here about Chrome Store meeting the Android Store. Yeah. So um, something to look forward to, I think, for the new school year, is uh, the Android apps coming into the. Can you guys hear me? Mm, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. 
Okay, good. Um, it's really, really windy here. I apologize. I'm like worried my satellite dish is going to fly out of my house. Um, so uh, Chrome Store is meeting the Android Store, and so there was um, an article that came up um, kind of questioning whether or not to buy a Chromebook right now. I know a lot of schools do their ordering June and July um, from Android Central. They're saying very firmly, don't buy a Chromebook now in June. And that doesn't mean don't buy a Chromebook at all this summer, but the Chromebooks that are going to be coming out, I think, in July and August are going to be, you know, the operating systems are going to be more suitable for this type of marriage. So I wanted to ask you guys if, if you believe that and, and what you what you would do right now. Would you wait? Um, well, I have no choice but to wait because we're uh, I'm still waiting for to find out how many students we're going to have. So we yeah, I guess I am too. Yeah, we're waiting a little bit. Um, the ones I wanted aren't aren't like you know they're not backordered or anything, so I wasn't worried about that. What's the rationale for waiting? I, mean, the, I think the general rule in buying technology is if, if you can wait, you should wait because something better will be coming along. It's always the case. But what, are they saying you should wait to see if something comes out with touchscreens? No, um, I don't think they're, they're saying touchscreens. They're just saying that, the, that it's going to be, there's going to be more robust... Let me see. Hold on. It's, it, the reason I Chrome think it's strange... Um, Chrome OS is Chrome OS. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm running it on a Pixel here behind me, and I'm, I'm doing it on a $200 Chromebook. It's the same operating system, so it is. The same, um, and it would seem like it wouldn't matter, but I think internally it might matter um, because let the me first see. couple of years that people waited to buy Chromebooks, they got burned because nobody, uh, you know, Dell and and Samsung and all these guys. Nobody expected Chromebooks to be as popular, <laughs> so they never made enough. And so all their, a lot of schools had orders that were delayed until October. Um, Dell uh, had that problem a couple years ago. Last year we ordered really early, so we didn't have that problem. Um, and it seems like now they're all finally catching up with the demand. Of, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but that was really the, the issue. And, the, and the, so the worry I have... When it comes to waiting, is I don't want to, you know, I don't want that to happen again. But mm -hmm. at least I, I am rest assured, at least that this, the model that I want, will be available. So I'm not worried about that. I'm just really curious about what this marriage of Chrome and Android really will look like. And you know, every every tablet, convertible tablet PC has failed, and I'm I'm not really sure, you know, that that Google is going to be able to fix that this time. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. So they're saying there's a list of existing Chrome OS devices that will get Android app support, and that all of them that will be manufactured right. okay. after June will have the ability have that support in place, but Chromebooks right now don't necessarily have it. So there's a link in the article you can go to to see a list that actually is going to get Android app support. So I guess for schools that are just starting a Chromebook program, it would be a good idea to wait right now because the Chromebooks you might have ordered this month won't have that support. I'm I don't see yeah, no, ours that, on that, the list. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, you're right. Okay. The, the list of machines that support the idea of um, running Chrome apps, uh, sorry, uh, Android apps on Chrome at the moment is not 
ex- well, it's actually a pretty extensive list, but it's not every Chromebook. Exactly. And so, so what they're saying is if you wait a little bit longer, then whatever Chromebook you buy will no doubt support. Android. Yeah, that was yeah. my point. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Oh, that's a good point. It's interesting that the article that you've, you've put here on Android Central is um, it's obviously pitched at consumers, not the education market. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely pitched at consumers. Yeah. Um, we're still going to order, you know, we're still going to order the same Chromebook we ordered last year, so whatever. You know, hopefully our, our Chromebook will join the list eventually. Um, I mean, I've been saying for a while now that I think that the, the, what we need is a, a sweet spot that is better than a $200 Chromebook, but not the full ridiculous like a Pixel, that there's a market totally in there around the sort of four, five, maybe even $600 market, and I'm talking Australian dollars, so less for you guys, um, mm-hmm. where where it's not purely a piece of commodity hardware, like there's, there's decent specs to it, and it has a nice screen, and like it actually is a nice machine, but it's still a Chromebook, and it's still reasonably priced. I, th- I think there's a huge market for that, Although, you know, people keep saying to me in the education space, people want to spend as little as possible, so I don't know. We just, uh, we just picked up uh, the Dell 13. That looks fantastic. I played with them the other day. That looks really good. It's really nice. It's like carbon fiber. It's, it's very mm-hmm. MacBook. It's, you know, feels mm-hmm. like a, a sleek machine. We're going to give those to our teachers. It's a really nice device. I'm nice very happy. Teachers. We're very, very happy and won over, won over by that. Yeah, no, it looks nice. And it comes with an i3, an i5, or an i7, I believe, processor. And to me, that's, I mean, people say that's too much grunt to push around purely a web browser, but I, I don't know. Having used a really nice Chromebook and having used cheap Chromebooks, there is a world of difference. And mm-hmm. I, I think if you throw hardware at Chrome OS, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, you know, in a couple of years, the web continues to evolve, so you want a device that will at least hold on for a few years. Yeah, exactly mm-hmm. right. Uh, all right, well, I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm excited about the Android stuff coming to Chrome because suddenly this whole world opens up. As someone who I know who works at Google pointed out the other day that, um, you know, they because they've got early release to this stuff, so they're using it now. Uh, and he said, I, I just installed Microsoft Word, Skype, and something else on my computer to see if it worked and then removed it all. But, like, the point is it's possible. And all these apps that don't exist now in the Chrome world that do exist in the Android world will now be open to people who have a Chromebook. I think that's really exciting. Sure. Including Minecraft, by the way. Yeah, I know. We, um, we're a big Minecraft school. We have a whole lab just dedicated to Minecraft. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think it's a really exciting move. I, I actually didn't fully grasp the significance of it when I first heard the announcement, but I'm starting to really think that it's going to be big. Um, now, there's no name next to this next one, but I'm guessing it's you, Dan. Hangouts are not dead. Uh, yeah, no, I know on our last show we talked about, because they just mentioned um, the Allo and Duo, Allo and Duo coming out, and, and <clears throat> there's been a lot of rumors, speculation, you know, mm-hmm. that Hangouts would, uh, would not survive. Um, so I, you know, I, I I know Google Google put out a word uh, a few days after that about uh, Hangouts staying around, um, and so I mean that's I, that's good for us because we use Hangouts. Um, however, I'm I'm thinking that uh, its days are still numbered anyway, 
or or it'll become like the Google Apps for Business or Education uh, app, and not particularly the consumer messaging app that they want to use. Seems to be a divide there, you know. Messenger and WhatsApp and all those apps, you know, seem to be primarily for the consumer. Mm-hmm. And then you have your business apps like Slack, and maybe Hangouts becomes, you know, and evolves into Google's business. Um, app or something like that. I don't know, but either way, it's 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 alive and and will continue to uh, service our needs. Yeah, and, yeah. And our school needs. Which is why you should come to our presentation at ISTE. <laughs> That's right. Oh, nice segue. Thanks, Kim. Would you like to tell us? Yeah, about no that? problem. <laughs> <laughs> what presentation? So, <laughs> what would that be? Let's see. On Wednesday. Can you guys? Do you guys know the time? I think it's. Uh, it's a good time. It's in I think it's like 10.30 or something. 10.30? Yeah. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, you can come and meet some of us from the Educast at ISTE. We will be doing a panel presentation about uh, collaborating with Google Hangouts and how it can benefit your friends, your colleagues, your business, uh, your school, and um, just kind of how we have evolved as friends and professionals together through Hangouts over seven years. It's crazy to think about. Um, it's been yeah. a long time. I know. It continues It continues to go and grow. It's amazing. So uh, we hope to see everyone there. We'll be taking you through how to do Hangouts and Hangouts on air and sort of how we use Google tools to collaborate each week and write shows together and how we have our own chat group that we you know, we can chat with each other during the week, and um, so kind of all the ways that we are, we are able to put together a show like this each week. Yeah, creating community with Google Hangouts, June 29th, ten fifteen. Star it, be there. <laughs> Add it to the Easty app. In the yeah. Mile High Ballroom. Ooh. It, it it I was at Brisbane the other day for the this big EduTech conference there called EduTech. It's about, I don't know, 6,000 <laughs> 6, people or something at this conference. And I, I asked, people come up to me going, when are you guys going to record the next episode of the Educast? <laughs> okay. It still feels like an out-of-body experience when people come up and say things like that to me. That's <laughs> true. Anyway. I better look um, good. Dang. <laughs> uh, Google Home. Who put this in? Just I threw it in just because yeah. I wanted it. Throw out your, you know, ask the group a, a question. But uh, I thought, you know, when Google announces all these new products like Allo and Duo and uh, Google Home uh, being one of its kind of uh, Amazon Echo competitor, mm-hmm. uh, this little, you know, canister that uh, uh, you can talk to and talk basically talk to Google. It's like um, if anyone's ever used Google Now, Google Home is like the the home version of Google Now, where you don't need your device anymore. You can just shout or talk, and and it'll talk back to you. Um, but you know, this is something that I think is interesting. I think I was listening to the, uh, Tech News today on the Twit Network, uh, and they were talking about how little voice search has taken off. Uh, you know, Google you know, announced voice search you know a few few years ago with with OK Google uh, and uh, and then Google Now and um, they said like, like very only like 20% of Android users even uh, use Google Now uh, or Voice Search, mm. 
And I just thought that was really small, and it's even less on iOS, I think. And a lot of it has to do with um, people feeling embarrassed to talk on their phones out in public, <laughs> which I thought was fascinating. Um, I wish I had the, the exact numbers, but uh, um, but you know, I I have been ever since Google added the little microphone button next to Google, I have been showing kids how to do voice search. You know, this is back in 2011 or something, uh, yeah. you know, and um, I'm still very surprised. You know, when will the the voice uh, search take off in in schools, or or is it not? Uh, I did a presentation at a ed tech team event uh, last year. It was all about voice search, and everyone was confused. <laughs> like they had never seen the, the microphone button. They didn't know that their phone even could do Google now. It was like I had to start from square one uh, to teach people about this. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? Is is voice search not something that's going to be popular, or is this going to you know, should we should we put these these Google Home devices in our schools so kids can talk to Google? Well, then it'd have to be called Google School. Um, <laughs> I, I use voice search all the time, like multiple times a day. I don't know why other people don't. In fact, I was out for dinner last night with some friends, and we had a query about something, and I picked up my phone, <laughs> and my friend picked up their iPhone to do this. Well, Siri's going to do a better job, you know. We asked the same question. No, never. You know, never. My phone just gave me the answer. Siri went, oh, that's an interesting oh. question. Let me see if I can find you a link for that. Yeah, I love that. I love when she does that. Um, so, Dan, you reminded me when I showed my students, they, we like had our first year with Chromebooks this year. And so I was trying to show them like all the little tips and tricks about using their new Chromebook. And I, you know, I showed them. I was like, have you guys ever noticed this microphone? No. What does it do? Allow, okay, allow the microphone. You can actually search Google with your voice, and it was like, oh, they were all shouting things into their computer, and it was searching like crazy, but then I, I never saw them use it again after that. So I don't know if it's like a habit. Like once it's a habit, it's a habit, and that's your go-to method. Right. But if you haven't made it a, a regular thing yet, you're never going to do it. I don't, I don't know. That's well, interesting. The other part of this, Bo, the, 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 what they call it, the, the, the shoe hasn't dropped yet, Um <laughs> is the, the announcement about um, Google Assistant. And I don't think any one of us has really even seen that yet because that's a new thing coming where the the Google Now-like Assistant in your phone and device and the Google Home thing um, will have a much better version of itself called Google Assistant. Um, mm. And, you know, someone pointed out to me the other day, you know, Google have had 15 years of experience in building voice recognition and artificial intelligence and, you know, I, all this AI stuff around voice. Nobody on the planet knows how to do this better than them. Um, if they can't do it, then I don't know. I don't know who's coming second in this race. But it's. Um, I, I, I'm excited about it. Actually, I think it's got a lot of potential. As for its potential in education, though, I mean, when I thought about where does voice search not work really well when you're in a crowded room where everybody's talking at once. Everybody's oh, shouting. Yeah, right, exactly. like a like a classroom. <laughs> yeah. Now it's getting better. If you've ever tried using Google Now. Uh, Google Voice or Google Voice Search in a restaurant or something like that. You can, it's much it's, better. Yeah. It is getting much better. I'm like, oh, that's surprising. Like if I have my car door open and I try to do hands-free, mm. um, you know, it, it's 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 getting better. Mm, um, however, 
you know, I don't know if it's appropriate for kids to shout at their computers, you know, when they're yeah. taking a test. And <laughs> so, Doing um, research, you know. yeah. <laughs> I, I think passing judgment on voice search and whether it's a successful thing or not, I think it's still a, too early to say. I think we should we should be having this discussion in another five or even ten years' time to mm -hmm. really understand whether this has had an impact. Okay, let's plan it. I'll put it in the calendar. <laughs> put it in the calendar. <laughs> Where's the location going to be? <laughs> 2022. All right. Done. <laughs> I mean, you, Google Educast number 1,000. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen that movie Her, where the, where yeah. the guy has the Siri-like assistant? I mean, yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Interesting where this is all going. Um, segment number two, tips and tricks. Um, Kim, you've got to hear a handy tool to use with Google Calendar for people who like to print their calendars. And isn't that everybody? <laughs> everybody loves to print their calendars. Uh, let me see if I can do I, that. I am actually always surprised at how many people do want to print their calendars. A lot of teachers want to print their calendars. So here you go. A lot of teachers uh, want to print to everything. Print my cal. Um, a little website that allows you to sync your Google account. It will pull down all of your calendars. You can choose which ones you want to print. You can design a nifty page, a calendar page. You can work with your margins. You can work with days of the week, everything Ooh. like that. Um, well, like then step three is pick your calendars, and then bada-bing, bada-bam, download your file. I have a competing... Um a competing tool. I should jump to mine real quick. That looks really Do cool. Do it. Ours might might be they might go hand in hand. I, I don't know. Um, so. Because being the end of the year for us in America, we're being told to like put our calendars together and get them ready to print, right? Because that's just what you do. You print it and you send it home uh, so they can put it on the fridge. Um, however, this year we're trying to go virtual. We're trying to do everything online. So I found this thing called the Perpetual School Calendar. Um, and I put the link in there. And it's a calendar template that you can uh, set the day. You can set the... Um, uh, let me find... I actually have it open. You want me to do a little screen share deal here? I'll show sure. you. Sure. Yeah, um, all right, so this is what it looks like. Oops. Um, it's the perpetual calendar. So I've only been playing with it from Vertex 42. But you start and you put in the year and the month, the start day or whatever, and your title. Uh, and then uh, it basically you can... It's all done with, with Google form, uh, with the formulas. Like the whole thing, this is a Google Sheet that's like oh my, formula. Oh my goodness, yeah. look at that formula. <laughs> I know, look at that. I don't even want to, I don't, you screw one thing up in that formula and you're, and you're dead. So it has uh, all the important holidays are kind of already in there, uh, which, is, which is nice. Uh, but then when you want to start going to your actual calendar days, like we're starting in July going to June of next year, now you can start uh, putting in your days uh, into... Now this is the reason I found this was because we were having that same problem in that you're talking about where you know that uh, we use Google Calendar but we are all trying to push everything into Google Docs and we're, we actually our our last Google our last calendar at uh, is on Word in like 2006 like it's it's an oldest version of Word and it's just stuck there because apparently that was the only template 
you could find for Word, and it's and so we're trying to transfer everything to uh, to Google. Anyway, I just thought this was nice because once it's done, you could just share the viewable version of this to with parents or whatever, um, and next year you can make another one and, and very easily just uh, update the days and, and, and the year and stuff. So. so is that actually pulling data live from a Google Calendar? Yeah. Oh. No, this isn't. This one you have to do, this is a spreadsheet. So if you want to enter in dates or... Uh, so where know, does it get its data stuff. from? Manual. Uh, from oh, what really? I'm doing right now. Oh, yeah. Uh. Okay, so he just said meh to my tool. <laughs> <laughs> my tool's better. Right. Thank you. <laughs> I guess I guess if people want to still look, I worked in a school. The last school I worked at, their 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 concept of a calendar was a word document with a with a you know, list of bullet points, and that was a calendar. And I'm like, that's yeah. not a calendar. Like a calendar is a thing. That's a list. It used to drive me crazy. My last school did that, the bulleted calendar with all the important days. Yeah, yeah that's not a calendar. Anyway. So have you guys ever heard of anyone or any, any I don't know, Google app in the marketplace or any company or any way to format Google calendars differently for, say, we have a six-day rotation because in the winter, our Fridays, right. our, our Fridays aren't academic days. They're ski days. So we, we skip a Friday. So we do an A, B, C, D, E, F day. Often, whatever letter falls on that Friday in the winter, you skip that and go, so it's a six-day rotation. Oh, and awkward. it's so awkward, and it's a pain. You I skip mean, the Friday, so this Friday is not a day. So it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. JK, is it like that? ABCD, well, ski. Or, you know, like that. EFGH, ski. <laughs> right, right, right. So I got asked yesterday in our faculty, like, our summer staff meeting, you know, have you figured out a way to make Google calendars like six weekdays instead of, like, I, 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 I don't know, I can't even begin. Anyways, but oh, is there any way to fudge with Google calendars, like the actual back end of it, or is that impossible? Um, I, I, we've looked at something like that in the past, and I've never found a way to do it. So. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think. Well, I didn't you, think so. you can't make another day of the week. You know, there's not a, <laughs> a Friday. Yeah. Well, um, instead of a um, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, so hear me out. Instead of Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it'd be A, B, C, D, E, F. That's it. That's all you would see on the academic, like on our school calendar. So you wouldn't actually have days of the week. Because it doesn't matter. It all goes by letter. Yeah, yeah. yeah I Think about school, that one. Th like yeah, day one, do. day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and then it would go back to day one again. So the same thing, right? But, yeah. Exactly. And it's on a rotating cycle. I like the idea because it means kids aren't doing the same thing every Monday. Like That's it's, true. There's some yep. variety to their life, which I really like. like. What day is it? A-day. Oh, what, what are my classes on A-day? What are my classes on B-day? It's different than what are my classes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So mm. it's a lot to digest. Mind blown, but I'm looking for a solution. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. There are a lot of things that calendar doesn't do, um, like even even the idea of, um, you know, if you if you're working in a day which has periods during the day, you know, period one, period two, period three, and so on, and and you want to make an appointment for period three. Well, I don't know about your school, but 
no school I've ever worked in had a nice neat period three fell between 10.30 and 11.30. Like it was always some weirdo time or it wasn't exactly 60 minutes or whatever. It would be really nice to be able to yeah. have predefined pre slots in the Google Calendar where you, could, where you could, in your particular instance, you could say period one for us means between 9.13 and you know 10.12 or whatever. Or like all of my class periods are 50 minutes. Like everything I plug into the calendar is 50 minutes unless I choose differently. Yeah, which is a pain because it doesn't doesn't account for that. Yeah, and you're right, things counts. like rotating timetables and rotating cycles, we can't be the only people for whom this is a problem. So. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. So Google calendars need to be customizable. Thank you, Google. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's some stuff in the back of Google Calendar you can do. You can create custom views in mm -hmm. Google Calendar. Um, so you've probably played with that like six days, five days. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All right. Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, segment number three, Chrome and Android. Uh, Kim, Drive Permissions Auditor. This sounds good. Yeah. So you can run this Chrome app and it will show you all of the documents that you have shared with others. So it's just a little, sorry, it's a Chrome add-on. And when you're, when you're in this, ad, when you add this add-on, it will actually run a query, an audit of all of the docs that you have shared out with other people. So you might realize in that query, like, ooh, that's not supposed to be shared with that person, or ooh, it was supposed to be shared with that person, but now it's not doesn't need to be anymore, and it'll actually send it out to a spreadsheet. You can see who it's shared with. So for those of you that are like organizational freaks and can't like really get control of what's happening in your drive, and you know you can look through shared with me for for me it would be like 15 hours because I can't even tell you how many docs are shared on a daily basis like among our school. So it just gives you some control over to like instantaneously see what what's happening in your drive right. with shared documents. Now, just to clarify, I think you said it was a Chrome add-on. It's actually a Google Sheets add-on. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. So it runs, runs in Google Sheets, but it looks like it then looks right across your entire drive for all right, the documents exactly. in Drive. Yeah, but it, but it presents it as a spreadsheet. Yeah. That's really, really cool. And that's from um, uh, Control-Q, which is uh, Amit Agarwal, who writes some amazing scripts and, and add-ons. Um, if, if you haven't seen his website, it's definitely worth checking out, controlq.org. Cool. Nice. That's a good find. Uh, um, coding with Chrome. Have you guys heard of this? No. Okay. That's why we have you. <laughs> no, this is like my demo slam thing I'm giving away. Okay, if I ever do a demo Okay, so um, let me see if I can pull this up. Um, okay, coding with Chrome. So we are in the Chrome Web Store. Let me just do a quick screen share. Mm -hmm. Well, this takes forever to load on my... Okay, so we have a, a Chrome add-on that is allowing you to learn how to code right within the app that launches. And for me, the neatest part of this, besides that you can work with Blockly in here, in this environment, um, here, I'll launch it quickly. There we it's go. It's going to load. Now we got it. Okay. So if it's on a little delay here, hopefully you'll be able to see this quickly here. 
Okay, can you see my screen? Yep. Okay, so welcome to Coding with Chrome. Um, as a beginner, you can work in Blockly. Mm -hmm. um, in advanced mode, you can work with JavaScript or CoffeeScript, so it becomes just like a, you know, like a, an emulator in your screen. Um, however, when I go to beginner mode, I have two choices. I can start to build code in Blockly, but then I can code robots. And for me, having both EV3s at my school and Spheros, you can now program EV3, Lego, robots, and Spheros right within your Chrome browser, which means my kids can actually run these robots with their Chromebooks instead of their, I like having to give them an Pretty iPad. Easy, Wow, this is we're great. all tethered to PC, so that's good. That's really good. This is great. Okay. And this, this is an actual Chrome app. This isn't even. It's a Chrome app. So if you're a Chromebook school, you can install this app for all of your students. I don't see why you wouldn't give them the opportunity to just code whenever they feel like it, um, and it'll just you know pop up as a Chrome app for them when they log in. And so you can start, you know, younger students in Blockly. I could get my upper school students on JavaScript right away after they've kind of gone through the JavaScript training I do with them. And I think it's great just having a little emulator right in your Chromebook or right in your Chrome browser. Wow. And there are other Chrome add-ons with these emulators for JavaScript and, and all that. But this is really, I think, um, visually appealing and user-friendly. And, you know, um, it's great. I mean, I'm super psyched about the EV3 and, and the uh, Spiro. So. Wow. Kim, I think you've just won the podcast. You may now yeah, drop the mic. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm like, I stalk like coding stuff, so that's why I found it. <laughs> but anyway, that, so that yeah. Super cool. Well done. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I'm always looking for more coding resources uh, for the Chromebook. Know, right? um, have you played around with Arduino at all? Have you uh, investigated anything with, with that little device? Dan, I need I need you to walk me through that. We'll do a little sesh one of these days because I, I keep mentioning it. We haven't ordered any, but that doesn't mean I can't actually have a have some I think it's great for middle school. So I'd love to pick your brain and order some for next year and kind of see where to where to go with them. There's a little tool, I'll throw it in there. Um, it's called Code Bender. Um, cool. it works with it works with Chromebooks, so if you're uh, uh, if you want to play with Arduinos. Uh, and you don't, you know, you can't use a PC for any for any reason. Um, the Arduino software is for PC, but CodeBender is all cloud-based, but it will totally work with your Arduino, which is really cool. Really, that's great. Yeah. So I, I was using a thing called Chrome Duino, but I found it very buggy and very yeah. yeah. I tried that as well. It was very buggy. CodeBender uh, is is working. And, you know, it does have a couple of little snags here and there, but um, if you're just using like the Arduino Uno, you're you're good to go. It has the serial monitor inside the web application as well. But if you're trying to do really advanced, I found really advanced Arduino stuff, uh, you might find yourself struggling a little bit. Yeah, but, uh, that's great. Right. Um, the only thing I had put in, I put something about Arduino on Chrome. I know we or, or Android on Chrome uh, yeah. in the in the rundown. All I wanted to say is that I did uh, a couple days ago. They released a, the demo for how Android will look on a Chromebook. Uh -huh. um, it's about a 20-minute video, and we certainly don't have to watch it now. I did watch a little bit of it. Um, it's not really in-depth. He only shows one example of... Um, this is actually from Google I.O. 
but he shows one example uh, of him using some sort of photo editing app on uh, on on a Chromebook. But he doesn't, you know, it's not a touch Chromebook. He's using the mouse to pinch and zoom and stuff like that. So, um, but you don't get to see his hands, which is the part that kind of annoys me a little bit in the video. I want to see what his hands are doing. I don't, they only show the screen view. So, um, but it is a nice demo. It looks a lot smoother than you may have thought. Uh, and so uh, I just put the link in there so you can watch it at your at your leisure. Um, but uh, it, it it looks positive. It definitely looks positive. Uh, I think the another big idea with this whole Chrome, I think the Chrome Web Store is eventually going to go away, and it's just going to be all Google Play. So I think that that seems to be something that they're uh, moving towards. So. Could be. Uh, very cool. Oh, thanks yeah. for sharing that. Um, I, I love seeing so many more options for coding coming up on Chromebooks. I'm at the point now where if it doesn't run on, if it just doesn't run purely through Chrome, I'm just way less interested in it. Um, segment number four, classroom applications. So Google released this, uh, what, a couple of weeks ago, a nice little feature where you can now embed charts and sheets into your Google Docs and Slides. And Kim, I think you put this in. Oh, you can talk about it, Chris. Uh, I've been playing with it a bit. I, I actually, this conference in Brisbane, I mentioned um, this was my my demonstration on the Google booth. Um, I was actually getting members of the audience in this little workshop thing to um, to fill in a form really quickly. The example I used was um, fill in a form, tell us the country that your mother was born in, the country that your father was born in, and then it was using the map graph, or the map chart type, to map that on a map, and then we were taking that and embedding that back in the slideshow which I thought was really nice. But the bigger yeah. point is that you I always thought you could do this. You could always create a chart in a sheet and then export the graphic out and embed the graphic in so you could have like a, a picture of the graph. But what you've now got is the ability to embed the actual graph live so that if the data changes, the graph that shows up on your slide deck or your Google Doc actually changes as well. And I think that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, no, I'm digging in. There's actually a little button when you insert, and you can go down and, and choose uh, spreadsheet from spreadsheet. So now I'm trying to find a spreadsheet or <laughs> some data that uh, I'm like, I don't have any very good data to throw in there. But let's see. This spreadsheet has no charts. Never mind. Uh, shows <laughs> you how often I use I use charts in Google Sheets. I should do that more now. Well, what's nice about it is that uh, if, if you create a chart and then you use uh, insert chart from sheets and yeah. embed it. It'll, you find the spreadsheet. As you choose the spreadsheet, then it pops up if there are any graphs inside that spreadsheet, and you choose the one you want, and it puts it in. And then what happens is um, it just shows up as a graph on the page. But if you go and change the data, it. Yeah, the embedded go. graph actually gets a new button in the top corner that says update. And when you click mm -hmm. that button, it will then update to the new figures. That's great. That's great. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, the implication of that is if you're, you know, you're, you know, you, you've created a, a graph based on some figures, and you've embedded it into a report in a Google Doc, and you've embedded it into a slide deck in in a presentation, and you, you put it in another Google Doc as a report to somebody else, you can have this graph appearing in multiple places. But as soon as that data changes, it's it will update in all those places, no matter how so many. So awesome. Yeah, it's a neat thing. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so if, you've, if anyone out there is listening and they have a play with that, uh, hit us up on hello at googleeducast.com and let us know what you think of that tool. In fact, let us know what you think of any of this stuff that we've talked about today. Mm -hmm. um, and that brings us to the end of the show. Shout-outs and feedback. I'm going to shout out to that person who came and said hello at the um, <laughs> at, at the booth in Brisbane. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't even <laughs> who it was now. I met so many people that weekend, um, but it was nice to bump into people. Back on the sixth, uh, Kim Benton gave us a shout out. Um, she said I regularly listen to the teas at Google Educast for a lot of my Google information and at Teacher Chat podcast. So thanks, Kim, for for the tweet. Nice, cool. Uh, Danny, you're going to ISTE, right? Um, I'm going to ISTE, yes, correct. Okay, and Kim's going, and I won't be, which I'm disappointed about. <laughs> but you're going to be on a big screen where everyone can see you, maybe. The uh, irony is I'll actually be going through Denver Airport like the day it starts, but I won't be able to stop. <laughs> uh, that's all right. Well, we're hoping to, we're hoping to hang, hang out you in. Uh, Sean will be there as well, Sean. Um, Shawnee. Sean Williams. Sean Williams. Yeah, and um, I don't I know actually, if I should actually do the math to figure out what outrageous hour of the middle of the night that will require me to get out of bed for. Perfect. Oh <laughs> I have some kind of cool news. Do we have yeah. any, like, events, anything? Anybody have any? Like, well, there is ISTE, of course. Um, but uh, I have an event. It's not totally Google-related, but it is maker-related. Yeah. Um, but next... Friday is the launch of the uh, week of making, uh, and if you've uh, been hearing anything from the, there was an announcement by the White House uh, a couple weeks ago as the National Week of Making, June 17th through the 23rd, and I was invited to the White House to wow. be part of the kickoff for the National Week of Making, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, and. There's been a lot of events being posted over the last couple uh, weeks. Uh, the National Maker Fair is happening that Saturday, um, so I'm going to get to spend some time with the other Maker Fair producers um, and uh, just have fun a little bit. Um, so I'm excited. It's, it's a big. Man, it's that's kind awesome. Of, you know, it's um, there's a hashtag. I think you can go to the hashtag Week of Making. Uh, and Nation of Makers is another hashtag. So if you're on Twitter and you see anything like that, uh, people are throwing events, and and uh, um, you know, should be a lot happening uh, in the next couple weeks. So nice. well done, congratulations. That's, Very yeah. cool. Um, do you guys remember when Google Google used to own SketchUp? Uh huh. I do. Um, the Geo Teacher Academy. I remember going to that back in. I don't know, 2010 maybe it was. Um, that was a component of the Geo Teacher Academy back in the day, and um, <coughs> um, so this weekend in Steamboat, Colorado, is SketchUp Boot SketchUp Boot Camp, and uh, that should be really fun. So I'm going to that. Yeah, nice, nice. I I don't know when. Um Expeditions will finally be launched. I'd love to see it get launched at ISTE officially. Yeah, no, I've um, I just got invited. Well, I finally got invited to the beta <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a few few weeks ago. I think I mentioned that. Um, but now school's over. Like I haven't had a chance to really mm. go anywhere with that. 
Mm. Um, and when I did ask them to come to my school, they said they were they were not in my area. So yeah, me too. <laughs> well, for for what it's worth, I'm jumping on a plane on Sunday to head to the U.S. and I'll be doing um, a summit in Cleveland, Ohio, and then another one in Wisconsin, just south of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then going down to Amarillo, Texas, for the Panhandle Summit. And I'm actually bringing a small set of devices to do a Google Expeditions demo at all of those summits. So if anyone out there is listening and they want to see that, come along. Um, I, I can only bring a small set because you, apparently you can get arrested for carrying too many phones on international flights. Um, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So I will have about seven or eight phones with them. Hopefully that's enough for a small demo. It's a lot of lithium you're taking with you. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, let's wrap this puppy up. That'll do it for this week on the Google Educast. Uh, big thanks to both of you for joining us. Thanks, Dan. Where can people find you on the on the big wide web? Uh, D Rizak on the Twitter. Um, DanielRizak.com. That works okay. too. Awesome. Fantastic. And Kim Zimmer, where can people find you? At MacTeacher on Twitter and Kimberly Zimmer on Google. And at ISTE in two weeks. Yay. Three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I want right. it to happen sooner than it's actually happening. Can you tell? <laughs> you counted how many more sleeps? <laughs> I know. All right. And my name is Chris Betcher, and you can find me at chrisbetcher.com uh, and all other places on the web. Um, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys again hopefully next week. But um, definitely one more time before ISTE would be nice. Oh, yeah. absolutely. All right. And i got to turn this machine off behind me here, so I'll catch you later. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Bye.